Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What up? It's Takeo Spikes, former NFL All-Pro, NFL legend, author, photographer, last but not least, the creator of Behind the Mask, and you're listening to The Jake Brown Show. And welcome to The Jake Brown Show, NFL Draft Week. Mandy Antonacci, Nachi Achi Achi, we stay at the mansion when we in Miami, is co-hosting the program uh, this week and on the line with us now. <laughs> Sorry, that was pretty funny. Um, on the line with us now is a legend, a boss, an author, uh, an NFL legend, a philanthropist, a photographer, his name is none other than Takeo Spikes. <laughs> <laughs> now, the story behind us playing the Google pronunciated version is we weren't 100% positive it was Takeo or Takeo because it, it could go both ways. So we went to Google, um, and it is officially that, which is... Takeo Spikes. <laughs> <laughs> which sounds like the 20 years older than me uh, version of me. But it's Takeo Spikes on the line. A grand introduction there. What's going on, man? Thanks for coming on. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me. Of course. And now, behind the mask, the book is out. The mask is on. And not future in the words of future. The mask is not off. And there's no Molly or Percocet involved. Uh, Mandy has no idea what we're talking about. But this no. is a song by Future that's become popular called Mask Off. Um, so there you go. But a little t- better than the song Mandy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk to us about this book because it's just so interesting how you, you, you really do it all, as you said, in the drop. I mean, you gave us every title uh, on the planet. And the book really involves your f- work with photography and talking with guys, legends that played the same position as you. Yeah, uh, I just came up with the concept when I knew I was about to retire, and I just I love the game of football. So for me, I was trying to figure out what can I do that will highlight my photography but also tell a story. And I came up with the concept. I was like, okay, cool. I can share my story because every time someone sees me, they always ask the how and the why. And for me, I was like, that's cool, but I want to make this on a bigger platform. And that's how I kind of put everything together by going out to get some of the other greatest linebackers that played the game, Hall of Famers, and get them to have and share their story of how did they become great, what made them outliers. And, and uh, it just it blended together perfectly. You know, it took me two years to complete. Went all the way around the country, all the way to Kansas City. New Orleans, New York, Philly, um, Miami, Atlanta. So I mean, it was a, it was fun, it was tough, but at the end of the day, the reason why I'm so proud of it is because a lot of people sit around and they have ideas, but the majority never act upon them. And for me, it was like, okay, Spikes, I know, I know me. If I get heads over heels with an idea. I'm gonna fall. I'm gonna follow through and make sure that I can accomplish it. And that's exactly what happened. 
and you you will have an unveiling of the book, if I'm correct, on May 31st, and you can get tickets at BehindTheMaskBook.com. Tell us about what that night entails, because I know a couple of the guys uh, from the book will be in attendance, right? Yeah, well, it's going to be a two-part deal. Uh, the first will be May 31st, private dinner with two of the guys out of the book, London Fletcher and also Mike Singletary. Uh, two of the most productive linebackers to ever play the game inside linebackers. Um, both are very similar because they're the same height of build and stature, but both have big hearts, and both stories are very captivating, very influential, and, you know, it's amazing because both of these guys came into the league, and a lot of people, well, Mike Singletary, they were expecting him to be a driving force, but with London Fletcher, London Fletcher was, yeah, he wasn't even <laughs> drafted. So for me to sh- to highlight and share their stories, I mean, it was a big honor for me to be able to let them be their own author of the autobiography. Takio, I think one of the most unique titles you possess in that litany of titles that you gave us earlier is clearly photographer. Tell us how you got involved with photography and how this became such a passion of yours. Well, it started with my mother. She used to take bad pictures, Mandy, bad. I mean, she did great at capturing the moment, but the pictures were blurry. And so for me, I picked up the camera, Ma, this is how you take a picture. Okay, this is how you do it. And so before I knew it, everywhere I went, I always had a camera with me, and I was documenting everything. And uh, what really sold me on my dream as far as chasing it after I finished playing was in 2010, I was with the 49ers and we went to London and we played in the international game against the Broncos and I got on the plane and all the guys saw me with the camera around my neck and they said, Spikes, you too big to be having a damn camera. What are you doing? <laughs> so, you know, they, they ribbing me, cracking on me. And so I went around the, the city of London, took a bunch of pictures of the monuments, took pictures of people, even had a little fake photo shoot with one of my teammates. And at the end, on the way back, one guy asked to see the pictures. Then one guy turned into three, three turned into six. And before I knew it, I had half the plane over my shoulder looking at the images and saying, hey, Spikes, hey, can I get a, can I get a copy of those when, you, uh, when we get back? And this was the same guys who were killing me when I got on the plane. So, you know, from that point, I knew I had some type of eye because one thing about being in the locker room everybody will always tell you the truth and they don't care how you feel but it's still constructive criticism and that's the reason that's the reason why i love it so much i'm kind of giggling at your comment about you're too big to have a camera around your neck because i would imagine that a camera around a neck of your size probably looks like an emoji right (laughs) (laughs) hey maybe (laughs) no it it was good though They, they had fun with it you know I enjoyed it. You know, one of the things I love when you talk about this book is that you reference this book as you as your greater purpose. And you were such a legend at Auburn. You have stats there that are still left unbroken. But yet you reference this book as your greater purpose. So tell us about, you know, why, why this is such a, a calling for you. Well, it's so big for me because I think it's important at the end of the day. I'm a firm believer in... You know, when you, while we're here on earth, 
you know, your time is only for, for X amount of time. So basically, I, the way I look at it, my time is rented. But at the end of the day, when it's time for me to leave, or at the end of the day, when I do not have any more creative juices in me, and then I have to answer to somebody, at least I can always look back and say, this is my legacy piece. This is a piece that I created because I wanted to honor the guys who came before me. And more importantly, I never, growing up, I never had the opportunity to meet my grandfather. So from neither side, because both passed. And so for me, you know, I plan on living a long, long time. But if something happens, I think what's important for my younger generation, for my daughter, and if I'm, you know, if I have more kids, is that the legacy piece, they always know that they grandfather, great-grandfather, like, he was pretty damn good. He Whatever he said he was going to do, I did it. 15-year NFL vet Takeo Spikes on the line. I mean, Bengals, Bills, Eagles, Niners, Chargers. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram, of course, at Takeo Spikes 51. How much do you bench these days? Because, I mean, you used to bench like 500 pounds. Uh, what's the bench at right now? Oh, yeah, you're right. I used to throw up a lot of weight. But I'll tell you right now, I haven't – I don't put on heavy weight anymore. Uh, hmm. The reason why is just I don't – I just <laughs> – I just – it's no me. For mm-hmm. me, the only thing I'm worried about is looking good in the bedroom for the old lady. <laughs> That's the only thing I care about. If I ever, if, if if I'm stimulating her, she'd be like, you know what, baby, you're doing good. I'm good with that. What I need all of those muscles for? I just want to stay lean, healthy, and uh, enticing. <laughs> that is a great way to put it. That no one else does, but it's just honest. Like, look good in bed. That's what matters. Uh, yeah, it's important. What are? What? I think the caveat is look good in bed for your wife. If I could just add that part. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> if you have a wife, of course. Um, <laughs> um, was the idea to Keo for this book and the ideas behind it and everything, or is this something you were thinking about during your career, or was it a couple of years after you retired? No, it, it, it actually happened when I have a good friend. His name is Travis, and we were taking this executive education class at Stanford and I've always loved photography but I never knew how to take a picture in manual format and you know he had got into the photography game Travis Daniels and what he ended up doing was he brought his camera to class one day because he wanted to go shoot instead of going back to the dorm to get his you know get his camera so I just saw it I drew to him I drew to the camera and we went out and we did a little shooting together. And from that point, that really gave me validation. Like, man, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? And it was mm-hmm. so easy. It was like, I can shoot women, which is cool. Like, I love to shoot women. But at the end of the day, for me, it wasn't fulfilling enough. I wanted to do something to create that legacy piece. I wanted to do something that had not been done before. And when I did extensive research, for me, what I found out was I knew I had access. I had access because I played the game on a high level and the guys trusted me. And for me, that was my little niche that I realized that I could take advantage of. And you work with legends, and you mentioned Mike Singletary before. And Whenever I hear Mike Singletary, all I think of is, can't play with him, can't coach with him, can't do it. Uh, one of the great... Won't do it. 
<laughs> Do you, can you recite it? Do you remember the exact thing? Can't win with him. Can't coach with him. Won't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> Legendary uh, post-game speech. Who, who in your mind, as a linebacker yourself, are your top three linebackers in NFL history? For me, when I think about that, it's, it's guys who really changed the game from an innovative way. Uh, I think in no particular order. I mean, it's so many. It, you just – it's just so many because everybody, they do different things. And they do them well. I know one guy that really stands out in my mind is if you look at um, Lawrence Taylor. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but when Lawrence Taylor was playing, that was really the true invention of the 3-4 defense. And by him being a defensive end slash outside linebacker, by looking at where he aligned on the football field, Whenever teams decided to run an I formation, uh, he used to run down everything on the backside. And so that's the reason why now that they started going, in, that's the reason why they started moving the tailback, creeped him up to like six yards versus that happened at seven and a half because of Lawrence Taylor. Like he was a guy who changed the way that offensive coordinators, they call plays and align their players. Another guy who was, very instrumental along the way. I think Willie Lanier, he was the first black linebacker inducted into the Hall of Fame. I was fortunate enough to shoot him as well. And, uh, you know, his story is so great because, you know, most guys love the game of football and that's what they set out to be a great football player. But with Willie Lanier, he said he was motivated not so much from the game, but growing up in Virginia, his parents bought business uh, magazines and newspapers. So by him taking time to sit down and read and look in that business magazine, he knew football would have gave him an opportunity to take advantage of what ultimately his true passion is, is conducting business. And so uh, for me, I found that very intriguing because I was like, wow, like most guys come from nothing. A lot of guys grow up in homes of, you know, single single families. But Willie Lanier, you know, he was fortunate enough to grow up in a two-parent home, but what inspired him was just picking up a book and, and reading it and seeing that the world was way bigger than the block he grew up on in Virginia. Takio, I love how you describe this book as almost, you know, an honor for those Hall of Famers who have paved the way for your own personal success. I know in your book you had one of the final interviews with the legendary Chuck Bednarik before his death on March 21st. Tell us about that moment and, and what that was like. It was it was awesome. I, I had the opportunity to visit with Mr. Chuck Bednarik before he passed. And the thing I loved about it was he invited me to his home and, um, you know, he... You know, he basically told me and his caretaker, his wife, um, his son-in-law. But, you know, they invited me in and they showed me a lot of love. And they were like, you know, we asked that, you know, show the great part. Tell the great stories of Mr. Chuck. And that's what I set out to do and having an opportunity to sit down with him. He took me all the way back to when he went to World War II. 
coming out of high school, being an airplane gunner. And I asked him, I said, Chuck, how was it sitting in that airplane shooting off rounds? And he said, the key, oh, I remember several times being in the air, and I can see my bullets going to them. But it's another thing to see bullets coming hitting your plane. And you're thinking, Lord, please let me make it out of this mission, because if I get back on this ground alive, you know, I want to change. And he said that once he saw the bullets hitting his plane, they made it back, landed, he got out of the plane and saw the bullet holes all throughout the plane, but it did not hit him. And the, and the pilot, he said he got on his knees, kissed the ground, and said, Lord, when this war is over, I want to go back to Philly and play the game that I genuinely love. And, you know, for me, I'm listening like, wow, a lot of people, you know, as players athletics, you know, we call every game a war battle because we're trying to go up against other guys. But this guy was fighting for his life. And he took me all the way back to when he was sitting in that plane shooting that gun, saying this was my defining moment of knowing I was going to play football and I was going to be great at it because this is not what I want to do. This is not the way that I want to end my life. You know, and, and for me, when I create, you know, behind the mask, it's so much more than just picking up picking up a book or clicking online, reading somebody's stories. Because I went so in-depth with it that you cannot find any of the stories in my book within the first five pages of Google. You just can't do it. And so that's the caveat to it is that these players sat down with me for a day and they shared their most intimate stories, their most private thoughts on what was their defining moment of enough is enough. I'm going to commit myself to something greater than just a temporarily uh, moment of passion. Takiu, were you worried about either during or after your career or still now about the issues of CT and brain damage to f uh, football players? Yeah, I, I, I will lie. I, I will be lying to you if I didn't say I, I'm not worried about it, but I will tell you this, I'm not sitting back waiting on something to happen to me. Mm. You know, so for me, there's not enough research or the research is still continuing to be gathered at this time. So the, the most important thing for me is I make sure I know where I'm at now and I keep track of it and I make sure I do everything I possibly can from a nutrition standpoint and I keep educating myself. You know, I, I love to write. I document everything. That's the reason why I take a lot of pictures. So uh, for me, I, I hope that day never happens. But the reality is uh, it's a strong percentage chance that I, I will be the one that one of the ones that affected. Take us back to Keo, to your draft as, as NFL drafts this year. You were the 13th pick out of Auburn by the Bengals. Uh, just take us through the day and that experience and everything behind it. Uh, San Francisco draft day back in 1998. I was at Planet Hollywood. Back hmm. then, now uh, Planet Hollywood was the key. <laughs> it was good now. Mm -hmm. But uh, I remember getting a call from the Atlanta Falcons. It, it was the number 10, number 10 pick. And the Falcons, they called and said, hey, Takeo, you want to be a Falcon? And I'm like, 
Absolutely, are you kidding me? Like, why wouldn't I? That's I'm, that's home. That's the crib. Mm-hmm. So they had the number twelve pick, and so when we got to number twelve, Paul Tagliabue, he got up on the stage, and he said, "With the twelfth pick of the nineteen ninety eight draft, the Atlanta Falcons select linebacker." You see my whole family stand up. I'm standing up <laughs> from out of Georgia Tech. I was like, I ain't going no damn Georgia Tech. <laughs> and then he's bricking. And oh. I said, oh, He's a good player. <laughs> I just put, I put my head down. And I was like, I'm like, why in the hell did they even call me? And so then I looked to my agent. I was like, Sin, who, who has the next pick? Soon as I said that, the phone rung. And it was um, Dick LeBeau. He was the defensive coordinator from the Cincinnati Bengals. Hmm. And he said, Cincinnati. And he was like, hey, young fella, I hope you're ready because we want you here. <laughs> you know, and, and then to be completely honest, I never told this story before, this part of it. But I was like, man, I was hoping to go to the Atlanta Falcons. I wasn't <laughs> looking forward to coming to the Cincinnati Bengals. But I was still happy, though, very grateful. And um, uh, me looking back at it now, I don't have any regrets because I, I truly think that I had a – a big part as far as me being the player and also being the person that I am from a character standpoint, everything I went through. I mean, I'm glad you told that story because how are you wrong? I mean, you went from the crib to Cincinnati. I mean, he wants to go to Cincinnati, bro. Yeah, I know it, but you know what? At the end of the day, I, I learned that day, time is our worst enemy and timing is our best friend. Hmm. So it happened the way it was supposed to happen. You know, you it's very clear that you've gained so much perspective, not just from your allotted career, um, all of your experience, but even what you've learned from interviewing, you know, these Hall of Famers. If you had to go back and do it all over again, thinking about the spirit of this week with the NFL draft, is there anything that you would do differently in your career? Uh no, because this one thing I truly can say, I left it on the line. Hmm. Every player starts from day one when they walk into that building. Every player has a full tank of gas. And I can honestly say when I walked away, I was on my reserve tank. I gave it everything I had. And so from the decisions I made, I don't have any regrets. Uh, the one thing... I wish I could have been a part of is a winning franchise as far as winning a Super Bowl, uh, but I didn't, and uh, and that's not. And you learn. I mean, it's not off based off of your decision so much as it's so many things that played into it. So that's the reason why I never got discouraged because I always had faith that okay, next year it will happen. You know, your your story that you shared about Chuck Benarek, I mean, just listening to that, um, my eyes welled up here, right? I mean, that's a, clearly a very passionate story about how he mentally pivoted in, in his career and, and how he really committed to football. Um, is there a piece of advice from any of these Hall of Famers in listening to their stories that you wish you heard when you were younger? You. I think that, I don't even think it's one piece of advice, but you know, for people 
if you're trying to motivate or inspire someone, either your kid or this book is actually great. I've been getting rave reviews from corporations. I've made a couple of speeches and turned it over to several people. But uh, anybody who's in a leadership position that wants more, I think that the, the, the great nugget that comes from out of this story is understanding something is going to have to suffer, meaning if you commit to something that's greater than you ever thought of, then it's going to require a lot of sacrifice, it's going to require a lot of time, and it's going to require a lot of focus. And for every guy who was in that book, I can truly say after reading the stories and conducting the interviews, they made that decision. They made up their mind on that decision to be something different than they had been the rest of their crew. And that's the reason why they turned out to be great football players and great men. And I think looking back at it now, for me, I saw that. I saw that at a young age. And so I think if I'm sharing anything out of my book to the younger generation, sacrifice is everything. Because when you do, understand football is only going to be around for so long. Mm -hmm. But when you're done playing, that's when you really reap the true rewards and the benefits of what you put in. And a lot of people in general, not just players, but people in general, don't have the foresight to see that. And you, you know, have faith and you got to trust it. And, you know, speaking of that younger generation, we were speaking with, uh, you know, a prospective draftees coming up this week uh, in Philadelphia. And, you know, in a matter of days, hours here, there's going to be a handful, a new crop of NFL players who overnight are going to be heroes for the next generation. What is a piece of advice that you would give as a 15-year veteran to these newfound heroes that are going to, lives are going to be transformed overnight come Thursday? Honestly, I would tell them, if you knew 32 bucks could change your life forever, would you give it to me? And I'm pretty sure all of them would say yes. Then I'll say, instead of giving it to me, just go to the site behind the mask and get the story. That's how much of my book from the guys that I have in it, that's how much private thoughts that they shared, they kept close to the vest and they unveiled to me. And that's how much of a blueprint I think it leaves for anybody in any position. If you want to be of a higher calling or if you want to be of a higher status as far as leadership, pick up behind the mask. Nicely played uh, and w- well said. I would argue $33 since it is $32.99, but <laughs> close enough. <laughs> you know what? You might be right. <laughs> Although we were talking, he gives a discount we were, to draftees. I, I got to say, we were talking about what he would take back. I know you wish Instagram was popping when you were playing because you would literally be flexing for the gram daily in practice, right? Man, what you talking about? My content <laughs> would be so good. But it's okay, though. It, 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 it's okay, but, man, it really would be good, though. Oh, oh man. The, the ladies would have been loving to key on the gram in the, in the early 2000s. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Takiyo Spikes 51. Follow him on Twitter and Graham. Get the book at BehindTheMaskBookTalk.com. $32.99. Gather some change in there with that $32. Uh, Takiyo, appreciate you coming to the show. Enjoy the conversation, man.
Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 